Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Where everybody has a seat at the table, I have a very special treat for you today. I, I, I brag about this all the time. I don't know if you're not supposed to brag, but the fact that I get to spend as much time with the gentleman I'm going to introduce you to today, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I share it with all everybody. Because I, I just um, has found so much value in the relationship and also the time invested in this gentleman. Um, so I want to introduce everybody. And Bobby, this gentleman is from Toronto, too. Richard Dolan is with us today. Um, I, I modded him up, so you'll see him there. I think his name is Wealth Merchant on here. You're, it says Wealth. Yeah. So, Rich, what's going on this morning, man? Top of the morning to you, man. And good morning to everybody here who makes this a point of being a part of their day. So amazing it speaks volumes when people make commitments and they put them in action so it's good to hear great voices much enthusiasm and, and, and a lot of engagement given what breakfast of champions is all about so thanks for having me buddy yeah so you know i have a podcast that you were on a couple years ago and i haven't brought you back yet but we'll, we'll be doing that soon but I, let me just start off by asking you the question man rich what are you made of i'm made of blessings man 
blessings mixed with magic and it's uh, crossed with a bit of possibility. That's what I got to say. Um, I remember when you first asked me that question, I did say luck because I felt so blessed at the time I was running the global portfolio for Grant Cardone. I mean, I came up from the, from the bottom up and, uh, I know that every time I look up and think of the things I've done and what I've accomplished or where I've been, um, I've got a career that spans over nearly 30 years. Uh, I am blessed. I feel blessed. I feel lucky. I, I feel like it's a bit of magic. It's a bit of possibility. Uh, but I definitely know that I'm a byproduct. And here it comes, folks. If you're writing down notes, here's where I'd start is I'm a byproduct of commitments plus coaching uh, plus action. And, and as a result, I'm just grateful that I, I, I ran into great people and I came under the tutelage of, of smarter people and that I studied the, the right thought leaders and, and I applied the things that I learned along the way. And I, and I trusted myself and I trusted in them enough to know that that wouldn't be done in vain. Um, so I believe that what I'm made up of is, is, is blessings, part magic, part possibilities. Love it, man. Love it. I put your link. Is that, is that link cool? RichardDolan.com? Yeah, you got it, man. That's okay. me. I just wanted to post that at the top for all of You'll... you to check Richard out. So Rich has worked with a lot of people. And one of the things I noticed on your website, it said something about you work or coach or advise some of the most powerful celebrities and then even legends and gods. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I brag about that, man, because here's the thing, like I get to work and be coached and mentored by someone that works with some of the greats on this planet. And I, I can you, can you just, can you just name drop, not to brag, but just name drop because I want to have some questions to follow up with that. But who are some of the people that you've worked with? Maybe even your favorite people. Well, here's what's interesting, man. I mean, you know, after 30 years of, of doing what I've been doing professionally, I'm in my forties now. Um, you know, being, being that person. And by the way, here's an invitation to everybody. And I know that's the thing to do and I'm grateful to do it. Uh, but there is a free book on that website. So uh, if you go to richarddolan.com, you'll be able to download Richology, which, which tells you a bit about my story, but more importantly, some of the first steps I took in, in how I actually pursued what I wanted and got it. Um, so it's a free book, Richology, download it today. You'll appreciate it and I'll appreciate the download. Uh, but that said, you know, being, being someone who is a coach, advisor or conciliar to uh, legends, icons, and gods. That, that term was actually created for me by, by one of my favorite clients, um, Mike Tyson, one of the world heavyweight uh, champions. Um, amazing to be able to say that I was a huge fan, turned friend, uh, turned partner. Uh, and he was the one who said, he was, hey, Ritz, man, I got to tell you the truth, man. When I think about all the people you give advice to and you counsel, man, these guys are icons. They're legends. They're gods. And I said, man, who's, who's, and that was my best impersonation of Mike, by the way. And I said, Mike, who's, who's the God? Hey, 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 Mike, Mike, you want to come on up? (laughs) (laughs) Rich, why are you always tripping, man? Especially on a Tuesday morning with breakfast with champions, man. Why are you always doing that? Um, But with all kidding aside, I I said, Mike, who's God? He goes, I'm God. Did you not see me in the ring, man? And I thought, oh, okay, that makes sense. And that's how that, that, that phraseology caught. Because of course, you know, I don't, I don't coach or counsel gods per se. Um, but I mean, Drake, uh, is at the top of his game in the world of music, um, for my account. And I mean, I've coached and counseled him. Uh, I've gone through a great list of, you know, Royal family members to oil tycoons, to C-suite folks, to, um, I've now topped just over 50 billionaires that I've got on my Rolodex that I've had the pleasure and the blessing to, to be able to sit with, break bread alongside of, and give them counsel at some level, shape or form. Um, but really for those who are just tracking this conversation, here's where it started. And I want to make sure that this is not just a conversation, but an elevation. I want to make sure that this is not just a a opportunity to boast, but to toast some great insight. And here it comes. I was an investment banker. And so when I was born into the professional services, I started in the wealth management space. And if anyone understands what it takes to go get clients, I don't care if you're a stockbroker, if you're a mutual fund salesperson, insurance guy, uh, a tax gal, if you uh, lend money like C-Rock does, uh, or you're selling real estate or raising money, it's all about finding the clients. I hope you'd all agree, right? You got to find clients, get them and keep them. And then when you do a good job, ask, ask them if they know anyone else that would appreciate your service and candor. So the best way that I began to learn over time that that was a brilliant way of attracting more like-minded people was I used coaching as an approach. So I used coaching 
as an expression of my servitude. I use coaching as a way to contextualize conversation. I use coaching to be able to really connect with people in a profound way, find the problem, understand the crises, understand and see their angst and solve it for them by providing my product and service as a part of the overall solution. I use coaching as an approach, coaching as, as the means. And so, yes, so back to your question, C-Rock, I mean, when you go to the website and you see that, um, I've been able to work with five U.S. presidents to date. Um, I'll only mention four, one I wouldn't. Uh, I've been able to work with great actors and actresses, producers, musicians, uh, and largely uh, athletes uh, across the NBA, uh, NFL, NHL, and the F1. So uh, today, it's, I think, just through sheer time that I've been able to amass a great track record along with a client base that, that really, truly does uh, include the likes of those names I've already mentioned uh, alongside of, you know, the Hoff, you know, David Hasselhoff, what an iconic legend, uh, but right through to uh, Pitbull as a client and Anthony Robbins as a client and still dear friend. I've still been able to work inside the world of Hollywood and work with actors and actresses such as Al Pacino or Lady Gaga. Um, I mean, these are really epic opportunities. And, and the more I drop these names, the more it's like, wow, this is like entertainment tonight. But, but at the end of the day, here's one thing I'll say and I'll stop talking is they're all human beings, guys just because they're a brand and just because they're a celebrity or just because we've all collectively made them a star doesn't make them different. It just makes them elevated. And it just introduces a whole different whack of different problems and challenges that they might face that you may not have heard of. So I just want to make sure I just preface that by saying that, that when you do meet most of them, uh, with the exception of only a handful, which I will not name today, uh, but most celebrities are grounded. Most of them are really, truly blessed. Most of them will admit that they are, and, and many of them just want to solve problems like you and me. So, Rich, uh, you know, it's one thing to be a great coach and mentor and develop into that, and you can start pretty much anytime you have someone that has a lower belief lid or lower skill than yourself, but it's another thing to be a great student mentee. And the way I, I just want to share this with everyone, the way I approach being a student and a mentee is I want to be the type of person that my coach or mentor says, you know what? I worked with that dude. Like I want to be mentioned when my coach or mentor goes into a room of 200, 300, some people, or even thousands and says, yeah, I worked with C-Rock. And so that's my target. Like when I, when I'm, when I'm a student or mentee and that helps me always pay attention, be engaged and elevate. And so I think that's important, Rich. I mean, what are your thoughts, uh, on on way to approach being a mentee that way well I, I think what's important right now is for us to step back from this conversation as many of us are likely joining many conversations in clubhouse and, and realizing that i think what's being radically reinvented is our view opinion and perspective of success i mean just given the geopolitical events the the socioeconomic shifts and, and all of the torment that we've gone through for the past few years given the pandemic and its impact in the world is that people are really moving away from uh, a traditional measure of success around uh, lots of money and lots of wealth, and they're expanding it to include worth. So, so money is like what you got in your pocket and your spending power. I mean, wealth is all the shiny stuff that now the world understands that oligarchs got lots of big giant yachts that look like condominiums on the water uh, or massive mansions, which can probably house a village. Uh, I mean, enough cash to probably run a hundred lifetimes. And, 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 but worth is the value give to and get from life. Worth is the resurrection and the reclamation of your own personal power of choice and freedom. And so why I say that is because as much as I appreciate uh, you admiring me, but more importantly, you being a student of mine, is, is I appreciate that, that I'm keeping myself in my place that I believe that the measure of success is moving away from these worldly possessions and moving towards an understanding and appreciation for more impact, right? Causing and affecting more good in the world, being able to help people faster and further away from you, being able to really truly um, expand your power by helping others find theirs. And, and I think the world's waking up to that now. I think the world is really beginning to appreciate that that is what it's about. And, and, and as, uh, as I just saw it screen, right across my screen here, it's love in action. I love that. I think it was Deborah that just said that. Uh, love in action. Absolutely, Deborah. Uh, and I apologize if I'm calling you the wrong name. But love in action is truly it. So 
for 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 me, you're right, C Rock. There was a time where I've been in audiences uh, as great as thirty five thousand. It's the most I've ever actually worked with. When I was working with Oprah Winfrey, I've worked with Ellen DeGeneres. I toured with them both. Uh, audiences were massive. When I globally toured with Tony Robbins, I mean, he's no stranger to attracting tens of thousands in an audience. And I worked on that stage for him and with him. And, and, and those were the old days. It was all about measuring the numbers. Like I've been in front of thousands of people and that sounds impressive. And many of you here having your coffee, your breakfast, you know, getting your kids ready for school or on your way to work or thinking, gosh, I can't wait for me to do that too. But that's nonsensical. Just because there's lots of people doesn't mean you're fulfilling lots of purpose. Just, just because you've got the scoreboard where you're crushing your team doesn't mean you're helping them realize their potential. So I think the game is shifting. I think the tectonic plates are actually, in fact, shifting too. So C-Rock, it's, it's, you're right. I mean, the work I do is amazing. The who I work with is awesome. Uh, I'm an official advisor at Google. I'm an official advisor in a film studio. I'm an official advisor to the F1, uh, to the LA Lakers. I mean, these are great. But your, your association to me gives me who I am. And I want to make sure if you're writing down any notes, that's the second thing I'll ask you all to write down, is, is a great mentor is equally caused and created by powerful mentees. I'll say that one more time. A powerful mentor, who I am for C-Rock, is equally caused and created by a powerful mentee. So I wouldn't be who I am if C-Rock wasn't committed in fulfilling what he's envisioned for who he's becoming. So because of great students, because of great coaches, because of great coachees, people like coach to be coaches, speakers, trainers, and mentors, uh, like C-Rock, it's because of who they've become, I become greater. And so it just kind of reminds me, C-Rock, as I pass it back to you, it's the old Hindi proverb, right? The hand that gives gathers. The hand that gives gathers. You know, I grow more powerful given the power you keep discovering and realizing, harnessing and using. And so the more powerful you become, the more powerful I become. So it's, it's, I think that's the greater good. I think that's what this industry is starting to shift towards. And I'm really, really grateful that it is. If you are just joining us, we're in Breakfast with Champions here talking to my coach, mentor, and friend, Richard Dolan. Uh, Rich, so with all that being said, that you're, you're a, a living demonstration of what you talk about a lot with what's next, what's next, what's next. I remember one, telling you one time that we hit a million dollars in revenue in our business in a month for the first time. And you're like, okay, great. What's next? And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, man. And uh, so I remember that, but you're a living demonstration of that. So let's take me back a little bit. Uh, did you, were you born with a silver spoon? Were you born with all these relationships? Like where did it all start? Just so everybody can relate to where you came from. No, I, I mean, first of all, I wasn't a member of the Lucky Sperm Club, if that's what you're asking. I mean, uh, my mom hails from Guyana. My father is Ukrainian. So I've got great skin and I got a good liquor tolerance. So I'm the perfect vacation buddy. I never burn and I never get drunk. So it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, but with all kidding aside, I mean, I, I grew up in, in a humble starts, uh, inner city kid, um, 16 years of age, I got kicked out of the house. And so I, I, I took that as a, okay, I'm on my own and, uh, started from there. Uh, I became a high school dropout cause I couldn't pay rent and work and, and go to school at the same time. And so I learned real fast what education was going to mean to me. Uh, but thank God for a real chance encounter. I, I, I found myself becoming a cold caller. Uh, at a stock firm, a brokerage called Merrill Lynch. And uh, at 16 years of age, I became a cold call cowboy, making 300 cold calls a day, every day as a full-time job. And, and, and people would look at me and say, man, that kid's driven, man. Look at that guy. So motivated. He's so focused, man. That guy must be reading all the books. No, man, I was starving and I was broke. I didn't realize electricity had to be paid for. I thought it just came out of the wall. I, I didn't realize cable had to be paid for. I thought that stuff was free. I, I, there was a lot of a rude awakening, so to speak, that I really kind of grew up fast. And I don't wish that upon uh, anybody's children, including my own. I think to myself, my son's 15 years of age. And I think, gosh, one year from now, if you and I had it out, would I kick you out? My God, I couldn't. And I look forward to those cuddles and, 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 and movie nights with him. I can't even imagine doing that. But, but with that lot being said, I mean, to, 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 to put in perspective where I came from, it really does put in perspective where you've got to go. So if you're writing down in your notes, here's a third point I'll make, is that your future is a template of your past. So unless you really don't love where you've come Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you wanna know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five 
five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Come from, or unless you've gotten real shook by something, unless you're really angry, upset, or activated by something that's already happened and you just can't get over it, you're going to end up living into a future that's a lot more like the past. That's just the way life goes. That's just the physiological fact for and the phenomenon too, living life on this planet Earth. So you've got to cause and create what comes next. Causing and creating what comes next is about truly inventing the future. And people just don't invent futures. What we always are, are living in reaction to what's already happened. And so we're just a reactionary machine reacting to the past, reacting to upset, reacting to angst, reacting to crisis, reacting to disappointment, reacting, reacting, reacting. We're never acting. We're never taking action above and beyond what's already happened. So that that is a big, powerful point. So when I hear a lot of people out there in the world saying, oh, you can discover your purpose and you should find your destiny and you can locate your quest, it's nonsensical. That doesn't make any sense. You weren't born with purpose. You weren't born with a quest. We were born with one unique biological fact, and that is that we were built and blessed to reproduce. That's true. And that's why by the time you're about 20, you slowly start to decay. By the time you're 30, you start to notice it. By the time you're 40, ask anybody who's 40, and starting with me, you notice the impact of aging. But the point I'm trying to make is not to get into a biological conversation, but to understand that purpose is future and future is to be caused and created. So the real truth around purpose or your quest or your life is not that it's out there somewhere. It's already within everything you're built to do and everything you're destined to, in fact, experience has to be caused, has to be created. So, so a real powerful coach, mentor, or trainer should be saying what's next. Because the minute you get high on your own supply of great victories and triumphs, you're going to forget what it means to cause and create more. And not more like don't be satisfied, not more like it's not right to be content with what you have. That's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm saying, and by the way, that's a whole different philosophical conversation with what more really does mean. But more as in what's next. Because if you don't deal with what's next, if you don't create something new for what's next, you're always going to live in the now. And the now will last forever. And the now is not enough. So you got to raise big deal. What are you going to do to prove that value and then deserve more? Right? Or gosh, you had a baby. Great. What are you going to do to cause and create being a great, wonderful parent and a wonderful husband or a wonderful wife or a wonderful partner in the process of parenthood? And on it goes and on it goes. Everything we have and everything we experience is caused and created. So you want to ask yourself, what am I causing? What am I creating? to have an empowering future. That's what it's about, C-Rock, and you know that, brother. You know that, brother. Yeah, that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned and has changed everything for me and given me the confidence to just go out there. And, you know, I I, I don't think anybody is is inaccessible to me. I can access pretty much anybody that I choose to. And when I do, I have the ability to listen from the future. That's one of your lines. Listen from the future when I'm talking to them. And then that way I can help shape and cause and create future together with them. And, 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 and let me, and let me just interject for a moment, if I may be so un-Canadian and do so folks, if, if you're, if you're tracking what C-Rock just said, that's a, that's a pretty deep and, and very, very profound statement he just made. We all listen from three different places. When you talk to your friends, when you talk to colleagues, when you talk to, to, to your children, when you talk to customers, uh, and, and often by the way, what amplifies it when you start to talk to strangers and people you don't know or want nothing from. We listen from one of three places, a place of already knowing this person reminds me of somebody. This person actually is uh, not of any use to me. Uh, Oh my gosh, this person is of use to me. Uh, That's the, the place of knowing. The second is a place of wanting, right? I want this from them. And you've talked to people like that, a salesperson who's very eager to make a sale inside of a store that you just walked into you step through the front door and they go, hi, how are you today? What can I sell you today? I mean, it's like, oh my God, give me some space perhaps, you know? Um, but the third is from the future. And what that means is a future that's yet to be lived and realized, but is committed to. This is where a teacher of yours, when you were young, said, you know what, kid, you've got potential. Or, 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 or you know what, young lady, you've got what it takes to make it out there. 
or, or you know what, uh, you've got a gift or you've got a skill and you should really focus on that. I'm sure you've had that experience and I'm trusting and hoping that one of you, some of you or all of you out there have. That's because they're listening from your potential that's yet to be realized. That's a future statement. They're listening for what could be, they're listening for what shall come, they're listening from a future that wishes to emerge for you. And that's what it means. That's the secret when it comes to talking to people who've got it all and need little, is that if you can talk from, speak from, and listen from the future, it, it, it'll blow people's minds because it's a stand for a place that they rarely stand in themselves. Does that make sense, C-Rock? Did I explain that a little bit? Yeah, uh, so that, yep, yep, yep. very well, okay, very cool. well. I, okay, I get cool. lost sometimes, not lost, but I think mesmerized. And I, when I'm in a in an interview with people that speak so eloquently, like yourself, and then <laughs> I forget I forget what the next question is. But no, I'm just kidding. I, I want to share, uh, Rich, with all of you. And so, if you're enjoying this conversation, one, I'm gonna uh, you know do a Q and A here in a second, but also share the room. I see we have 177 shares this morning. It's a little square box with the arrow pointing straight up. Hit that. And then share to Clubhouse, and please. Yeah, you want to do that for real because this is dope, C Rock. Thanks for bringing this dude up in here. This has been fire all morning, golly. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Let's go. Hit that. Let's get it to two hundred. That's my target, and I hit targets, guys and gals. I hit targets. So let's get that thing to two hundred. Share in the in the hallway. Put a nice comment in there. I did a funny comment last night. I was in a room and I just said, "They're holding us hostage in here. Please come help me." Um, so do whatever you need to do, but but put it out there. And there it goes. I see it's banging up. Okay, let's get to 200. Now, um, the other thing is, if, like I said, if you're enjoying this conversation, we're going to do a Q&A here in a second. I got a couple other questions I want to ask Rich. But hey, Rich, so going back, what was the relationship that was kind of, or the relationships that were kind of the catalyst for you to have all these great relationships? Because look, there's one thing that, you know, there was a relationship that you had that caused and created NBA championship rings and to the point where you were working with the Lakers, when Dwight Howard was there, LeBron, and 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 creating a legacy, which the Lakers took up that that mm -hmm. term, you know, like what was that? What was the catalyst relationship for you? I think I think here's a here's something worth writing down, guys. And I think that uh, I always like taking conversations and make them teachable moments. So I hope you all don't mind me uh, commanding you to to make notes. You don't have to do anything if you don't want to. You can listen listen in and sit back and relax. But I, I always want to make sure you take something away. So here's the fourth note I'll ask you to write down. Is, is it's not about characters, it's about crucible moments. And, and that's, that really is the epicenter for a lot of what makes up a lot of magic and a lot of miracles for a lot of people. You included C-Rock, just your whole show around what you made of is all about what really happened, what crucible moment, to use my term for a moment, defined you, shaped you, you know, altered the trajectory for you and your life and what you call today. I mean, that's what it's really about. And all of us have gone through crucible moments. Not any human being on this planet ever escaped one. Michael Jordan got cut from the varsity team, and that was the crucible moment. Now, did he have lots of great coaches and lots of great help along the way? You bet. But that's the moment that altered the trajectory for the great Michael Jordan. I mean, for LeBron James, it was uh, other things. For uh, Lewis Hamilton, it was other things. For for Drake, it was other things. For and, and when you look at all the people we look up to, admire, and in fact want to be a lot like or emulate, they had to survive great adversity, a crucible moment. And so why I say that is to say that, you know, of course, was Juwan Howard instrumental in me joining the NBA to then win two championship rings and then a third with the Lakers when they were going on to champion uh, leave a legacy as a franchise, you bet. I owe that to Jawan Howard. You know, was Tony Robbins instrumental in starting my speaking career on large stages at a time in which I wanted to be a platform speaker? Uh, you bet, I, I owe him that. Uh, but were there earlier mentors? Were, were, what was it, Mr. Shabar in grade six, a teacher that really believed in me and kept me out of trouble? Absolutely. Was it a couple of pals that I grew up with that uh, their apartment on the ground floor of my building in the inner city uh, that I lived in, uh, my salvation when trouble was just outside the door, Jeff and Kieran, you bet. I mean, so you'll notice that there'll always be characters. There'll always be people who are there for, for you, for out of love and as miracles to keep you steady, keep you safe, keep you surviving and thriving. But it's the crucible moments that you want to look out for because those moments reshaped you. 
and they altered the trajectory for your life. And that's what really, in fact, combined with those great characters forged you into the person you are today so that you can cause and create the future that's yet to come, but you're destined to have. Does that make sense, E-Rock? Yes, it does. Thank you. Thank you. So guys, listen, if you want to ask questions from Richard Dolan, uh, and you're not on the stage right now. I got please, one. I got one. Please raise your hand. I'll get to you, Glenn. Hold on one second, sir. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Fire away, Glenn. But if you're in the audience and you have a question, raise your hand. We'll bring you up, and uh, we're going to go ahead and what, – what, one more question. One more question before Glenn goes. What was the holy cow moment for you, Rich, That and, and the first one that comes to your mind? My son. Right. Career. Love it. My Love son, it. my son being born. When when he was born, I thought, holy cow, this is no longer about me. <laughs> this is no longer all mine. This is no longer my show. This is all about now someone else. It was the moment I no longer could afford to live life for me, uh, or even my wife for that matter, because I was, of course, and remained to be married. But I mean, it was no longer about us. It was about him. And everything and anything I did now had to always include the calculation called, what does it mean to him? What's it mean for being a dad? And that that's that's my knee-jerk reaction to your question. All right, that's good. Glenn, fire away, buddy. How old is that boy now, Richard? He's 15, Glenn. 15. Congratulations, man. Congratulations. My son just turned 10 years old today. That's what we've been doing. Oh man. Happy buckle birthday. Up. Happy buckle birthday. up, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be up. It's gonna be uphill from here. So good <laughs> luck with that. <laughs> he's he's one of he's one of eight. I've got eight. Oh, God bless you, man. Yeah. You're, you're working on building a team. I am. I am building an empire, right? Building an empire. For you, brother. You're blessed. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, question don't, that I had. Don't, oh, sorry. Don't uh -oh. close my mic. I just want to do a quick shout in. My daughter's 21 today, so I beat you both. This is Jamie. Go ahead with your question. <laughs> thank you. Happy birthday to her. Happy birthday. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, question I have for you. As you were building relationships, and you've obviously built very strong ones with people that are moving and shaking and doing some pretty powerful things. And I appreciate you spending some time and space with us here in this room this morning. It's I appreciate that. an honor. Along the way, what is a mistake or was a relationship that maybe you blew? And the reason I ask this is I too have had the opportunity to meet a lot of incredible people, spend time with a lot of incredible people, do work with a lot of incredible people. But there's a relationship or two that I, that I burned, that I made some mistakes along the way. And I'm just curious if there were any lessons in relationship building that you could share for the room where you maybe had an opportunity to strengthen a relationship and blew it. But maybe you didn't. I just know in my experience, I have. You know, Glenn, that's honest of you. And I think that uh, it deserves me equally to, to, to match your transparency and integrity. And, and I got to say that I really believe that I blew it with each and every one of my relationships. I mean, that's what I'm really truly present to admitting and what i mean by that is is not every relationship you cause and create cause and created equally because if you're the one who's the go-getter if you're the one who wants the relationship if you're the one who's generating that relationship guess who all the work is on it's on you and unless the other person really finds value in you they will meet you per perhaps halfway and rarely is that the case just, just think about all of you right now in your own lives, right? Someone causes and creates a relationship in the family, amongst your family or friends. Someone always ends up having to make the plans, reminding you where to go, makes the reservations, likely even holds court whenever you're at the table or in a room or amongst others. So why I say that I think I've, I've, I've disappointed every single relationship is because I don't really believe that I delivered 100% of what I envisioned or what I communicated. And that's a part of my uh, that's a part of my miraculous design, but it's also part of my flaw, which is I'm always causing and creating more than I can accomplish. And so I think what ends up happening is is I end up noticing that I may, over time, under deliver because you can never maintain the pace and you can never fulfill 100% of what you've envisioned for that relationship or for that contact. So so what I've learned. Uh, in the recent years is to really, in fact, dream big, but start small. That's the fifth note I'd write down, you know, dream big, talk big, think big. In fact, envision big, but start small and manage those commitments very carefully. <clears throat> so it's circling back when you promised, you know, it's sending notes as you perhaps committed. It's it's doing as you said you would do. Um, but I, I would often commit to doing way too much, far too soon. And, and it would just be a real struggle for me to keep up with that expectation because wherever there's expectations, there's disappointment. 
And if you generate that in relationships, especially new ones, then you're going to only leave them disappointed, no matter how great you are, no matter how good you are. You know, you did 15 things, but it's that 16th thing that you failed to deliver that hangs you, right? That hurts you. And so you want to be mindful of what you commit to, timelines you commit to, and making sure that they acknowledge that you delivered on the very thing that you committed so that they acknowledge that, that well, that was a job well done. Hey, thanks for sending me that. Hey, thanks for doing that. Thanks for the call as you promised, or thanks for that note. Fantastic. And so that's what I would do, Glenn. Just be mindful of where you make the commitments and make sure that you communicate as often as you can when you fulfill them with the person in which you are building the relationship with. Appreciate that, man. Super strong. Thank you so much. I got you, man. And by the way, for Glenn, that's going to be an excellent practice for the kids because there's going to be, there's eight brothers and sisters that are going to even be communicating commitments to each other. You want to make sure that no one operates on top of broken commitments. So, so that's really important for relationship equity. Awesome. Incredible. Thanks, brother. Great Amen. question, Glenn. Great question. Uh, anybody else, if you'd like, just uh, flash your mic and I'm scrolling the stage right now. If you want to just holler out your name, if you have a question for Richard. Uh, let's see. Anyone? Anyone? Hey, I just want to say hi to Richard. Um, we have a mutual friend, Kirsty. Um, Richard, you're in Canada, right? That's right. I operate. I live in Toronto, and um, we've met. Of- I'm the I'm the matchmaker. Welcome. Nice to see you here. Oh, nice to meet you. You must be caught talking about Christy Dunn. Yes. Yeah. 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 KD. KD. <laughs> KD. Yeah. Getting it done. Yes. Getting it done. Love it. Thank you. All right. All right. Anyone else before I go on to my next question? Because I have plenty. <laughs> but I want to. I want to be. Go rock. All right. All right. All right. Rich, can you talk about the three keepers and how powerful they are, what they've done, and how you've how you've uh, navigated the keepers? <laughs> Dude, that's a deep question. First thing in the morning for all these folks, breakfast of champions. I mean, you're coming at it strong. You're going straight into the protein uh, plate. Um, hey, listen, here's what C-Rock is asking me, really. That as a coach, I, I had to learn and understand the psychology of performance. The psychology of performance is a very important science to producing and creating more for people. And as I've been doing this work for as long as I have, I've consistently written notes and journalized and workbooked every single experience I've had in, in coaching hundreds and hundreds of people who are what I call high-stake performers. Like there's something at stake, uh, a title, a movie, a script, money, uh, a championship, a ring, etc. cetera. Um, it's amazing right now as I'm just sitting here chatting with you, I'm, I'm watching, of course, the news and across the screen right now is a former client of mine, General Rick Hillier. He's the former general of uh, the Canadian Armed Forces um, who's commenting on the Ukrainian uh, crisis, of course. And uh, I mean, amazing people, right? But, but what I wanted to find out was what is it that really universally holds people back from being able to really perform at their best. And so I'm going to share with all of you, I'm going to unpack this body of work in a matter of five minutes. And here we go. You all understand that there is both a magic and art, a magic and art to live in your life. And, and, and the magic and art is, is one thing. But there's also a science to living your life. And the science would define the fact that everything you've got and everything you do all begins with a mindset. When your mind is set, you then move into action. But then, physiologically speaking, you look for evidence. Your mind subconsciously looks for evidence that what it wants, what it thinks, or what it knows to be true or wants to be certain and is certain. And if it doesn't see evidence of whatever it is that you're doing based on the mindset you've got, it stops you. And this is why setting goals is only a part of the equation. This is why setting objectives is only, this is why only being in action alone and along with goals is not going to be enough. You've got to train your eyes, experience, positive outcomes based on the mindset. You know, let me give you a different example. My son, when he first was working with me, knew that I was working with the Miami Heat. And as he worked with the Miami Heat, he saw these kids playing ball. These kids were kids of like D. Wade, Chris Bosh, LeBron James. 
So as he played, he thought to himself, hey, I'm a basketball player too. So we come on back home and as often as we did, he wanted to play basketball. Now I gotta tell you friends, he was not a basketball player. There wasn't one bone in his body that suggested that it was a part of his DNA to be a hooper, not bit. What does proud parents do? And he would play and I gotta tell you guys, he was absolutely horrible. He wasn't all that good. He wasn't all that impressive. In fact, every time back to the bench and I was an assistant coach at the time because I wanted to keep a close eye on how he developed himself, he would look at me straight in the eye and he would say, Dad, these guys are scared of me and I'm coming for them. I'm like, but son, you can't make a shot. You've got to really focus. You got to pass the ball when you ain't got a shot. And he's like, don't worry, I've got it under control. And this went on for months and months and months. And I thought to myself, he eventually ends up playing for the Nike Signature Elite League. I mean, he was in a league that was really, truly the cream of the crop that because he caused, he created that. You see, he had the mindset of a baller. He went out there and went into action. And even though the results were coming in, guys, he did not have the results. He thought his mindset, he only saw goodness. He only saw greatness. He only saw performance in development. And then once you were able to do that, you believe, you believe. And you solidify that mindset. And so the cycle continues. You all with me? So what's important is a mindset. What's important is a positive mindset with positive actions. What's important are a positive set of eyes, seeing positivity in the world, saying what I'm doing works. What I'm doing makes a difference. What I'm doing makes impact. I got to keep doing this. Let's go. And you keep going and you keep going and you keep going because you say so. Because you've seen so. Because you know so. Ain't nobody else going to make a judgment of you. No one else is going to give you a criticism. No one else is going to give you an assessment. So you know this to be true. So where the heck are these keepers that C-Rock is talking about? They're your hijackers. They're your saboteurs. They're the ones who are built inside your survival system that are designed to do one thing, and that's to keep you surviving. And that really is a part of your makeup. You're only built to survive. Survive long enough to what? fulfill your biological purpose. And what's that? To have kids, to reproduce. And if you choose not to, then lucky you. But if you do and you have them, that's the ultimate humanistic purpose. Everything else and above that is a bonus. Having a business, having a great relationship, employing others, creating possibilities for others, being a wonderful spiritual healing power in the world, being a force in the world. All those things are created, they're caused, they're generated. So the three keepers, is really the agents of pausing, correcting course, or stalling you to pursuing more. Because I'm gonna say something very profound, and it's the fifth point I want you to write down. You are built for more, but conditioned for less. You are all built for more, but conditioned for less. And over time, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. Your mom says, no, that sounds dangerous. Your dad says, oh gosh, that sounds like a risk. You know, you've got friends and family says, why do you want to go and do all that for? Why don't you calm down, slow down, stay here, stay stuck, stay small. And so you're talked out of stuff. And that's why we go to workshops, conferences. That's why we go out there and we hook up with people that are amazing individuals, humans that are blessed to keep telling you, go, 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 like C-Rock here in Clubhouse. That's why we're having breakfast with champions, not breakfast with mediocrity. And so you're conditioned to play small. The keepers are psychological saboteurs that say, stay in your subconscious that every time you pursue more, every time you get big, every time you show up or blow up, that little chatting voice in your mind says, whoa, slow down now, sister. Whoa, 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 back up, brother. Whoa, 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 what do you think you're doing there, big fella? And all of a sudden you start talking yourself out of it. You all get what I'm saying? Just give me a nod, even though I can't see you. You get what I'm saying, right? And so those three saboteurs were caused and created by experiences you had growing up. So around childhood through to your adolescence, but by the time you were about 15, 16, 17, these three saboteurs are real for you. And so what we often do is we live life and lead in life and pursue a greater life living according to those keepers, according to those voices, according to those three things that shape every decision, every move, every action you take. And here's what the three are. If you're writing down notes, this will be the sixth invitation to write something down. Here it comes. The first keeper is the keeper of judgment. It keeps 
you from doing more based on judgment, the keeper of judgment. That keeper shows up like a gatekeeper and says, whoa, 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 there, C-Rock. Now, if you go and do this, if you go and blow up and show up, if you launch a podcast, write a book, really inspire thousands and thousands of people worldwide, what do you think people will say to you? What do you think they'll make that mean? Are you sure you're up for that judgment? Are you sure you're ready for that ridicule? Are you sure you're ready for those people assessing you, how you speak, how you look, how you occur, how you linguistically represent yourself? Are you sure about that? And of course, you have a choice to make. Either you're like, hell yeah, let's go, or uh uh-oh, maybe not. I don't know if I can handle that. And what really amplifies the presence and mechanism for being judged is guess what, guys? Social media, right? We all love a heart, but we all despise when one friend of ours doesn't leave one. (laughs) So we're surrounded by mechanisms of judgment. The second keeper, though, if judgment isn't the one that holds you back, keeps you small, has you in survival mode, is going to be, guess what? The keeper of ego. The keeper of ego is the one where it's all about you where you have a concept of yourself, a concept concept of how you want the world to see you, a vision for how you wish the world knew of you. Ego truly is, as my friend Ryan Holiday would, and ego could be one where you've got a bit of puffery going on. So right before you do something, right before you go for greatness, right before you go for the big move, your keeper of ego says, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, we may not look good here. We may get it wrong here. We may not look as good as we you step back. Oh, you stay in survival mode. You stop. The third is the keeper of, well, guess what? Fear. Fear holds us back. Fear of getting it wrong. Fear of messing it up. Fear of losing something. I mean, we could be scared of real true threats. Keeper of fear is a very consistent and constant one. The keeper of fear is the one that has you always having a very distorted relationship to risk, you know, to getting it, to moving fast, to being quick. And so those are the three keepers, the keepers of judgment, the keeper of ego, the keeper of fear. And that actually as an acronym, J-E-F spells Jeff. The keepers is Jeff. And so you got to watch out for Jeff. No offense to any Jeff's on the call here. So those are the three keepers. When you understand them, you'll get three things very clearly. One is distinguishing them disempowers them. Once you identify them, you disempower them. And I'd love to hear if C-Rock had that experience in a moment. Number two is, is you can never get rid of them. And, and nor do you want to. That keeps you surviving. It keeps you safe, yes. But you want to make sure that you're smart, that you're calculated, that you assess opportunities and you don't take undue risk. You don't put yourself in unnecessary danger. But the third is, and here it comes, you are not your subconscious collective. In other words, you are not the fear, the ego, and the judgment sensitivities. You are more than that. So what you wanna do is you wanna be aware of what holds you back, what keeps you small, but do it anyway. (laughs) Do it anyway. C-Rock, would you align? Yeah, you know, I I, uh, do, I have a process I go through when I'm being coached and mentored, and I, I go back and reflect over my past successes and failures. And then I relate what I'm learning to why I was successful or why I failed. And judgment was a big one I overcame uh, on my way to my personal brand. But now I think the biggest one I'm dealing with, and and you can maybe correct me and do a little bit of live coaching here, fear. You know, I I have a fear of not, I still do it anyway, but I I work so hard and I'm so impatient and urgency is a, is a word that comes up in my, my mind a lot because I feel like my windows shrinking and I have so much to accomplish. And I'm, I'm concerned with leaving this planet without hitting what I set out to hit. Hmm. Well, you know, it's possible that uh, however we first identify with whatever holds us back, that's probably one of the first reactionary, reflectionary kind of keepers that you can hold back. But what you really want to find out, you want to ask yourself the following three questions, especially if you feel like you're stuck, stalled, or playing small. N- num- number one is you want to ask yourself, what, what is the ultimate measure of doing what I want to do? So for you, what's the ultimate measure? You want to be able to impact as many lives as possible. Am I getting that correct? 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I don't want to say as many lives as possible because um, I think there's there's a number that that would satisfy until I move on to the next thing. Right? Okay, well, hold on, stop, stop right there then. So if if there's a number, what's the number? Well, we have uh, you know I set a moonshot for the tech company Blueprinted to create 15 million unstoppable people by giving them okay. exact steps to achieve whatever their heart desires. So, and, and, and where did you come up with the number 15 million? Like why not 10 or why not a hundred million? It's a number I picked. It's a target I picked. There's no, so it's arbitrary. Absolutely. Okay, great. And so I want to make sure that everyone hears this. Okay. M most numbers that we do pick are arbitrary, but, but if he had said to me that, Oh, I picked 15 because that was the day in which I was born, or I picked 15 because that's the number of siblings I've got, or I picked 15 because that was the number of my house growing up and it's a way to honor my family, then it would start to give me a little bit of an indication as to the why he picked 15, but he's now admitted it's just an arbitrary number. It's 15. Like I can talk him into making it 15 or 17 or 19. You get what I'm saying? But 15 is your number. So that tells me that we've moved away from actually judgment to understanding that it's actually a part of either ego or fear here. So let's just keep digging here for a second. So this, the third question I want to ask is this, why do you feel that if you were to come short on your declared view of what victory looks like 15 million lives, if you were to come short, what would that really mean to you? Yeah, let's ask that question. Uh, what it would really so, mean to me, it would mm -hmm. be you know, I, I think that I set the 15 as, as a, it's a game that I decided to play, right? And if I hit it, if I hit 10 instead, I think, I, I think I'd still be happy. So, so pause right there. So, so you, you, listen, you were a declaration for coaching. So you asked for it. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah absolutely. But, um, but, but folks, you're watching coaching live and unfolding and that's what it is. It's, it's, it's the reality show called life. It's a courageous conversation between two people. One of which one is committed to an outcome. One is committed to getting there. And that's what you're listening to right now. That's what's beautiful about this conversation. So here it comes. The way I'm hearing it, and I want to make sure I have everyone hear it so it doesn't sound like it's a magical trick. I don't want you guys looking for the strings or the mirrors or the trickery in this. What you just said to me was, was it was an arbitrary number. What you said to me was, if you were to fall short, um, and I asked you, what's the harm in you falling short of the 15? And what is it that you said? I'm going to give you one more chance to say it in a different way. Uh, let me, let me, let me, uh, wow. I said that if I, I said that if I hit 10, that I would be happy. Right. And so you I also said, said it, but I said it big. I said it, I said it there. You just said it. So he said it, he said, he said it big because he's, that's the game he was playing. Yes. Is that yes, correct? That's the game I decided to play. Cause I don't want that's to put the game I decided in your to play. Mind. Yes. So here's what it is. What I want you to be really clear about is that you created a game. And by the way, if anyone's making note, life is just but a game with a whole bunch of little games inside that game. And the whole idea is to win the game and to make sure that it makes a significant impact in your life and the life of others. That's really what life's all about. That's what it's all about and having fun along the way. But you invented a game that if you were to fall short of that game, what I would assert is that's the keeper of ego. That's not the keeper of fear. It's not real because it's, there's no emotional investment in it. What I would willing to assert is that your ego is wrapped up in that statement of 50 million, the threat, the danger of you not actually, in fact, fulfilling 15 million lives touched, moved and empowered is, is actually a threat to your ego. It's not a threat. It's not a threat to an upset for fear of not fulfilling it. Now, it's not like that's bad and it's not like, oh my God, we discovered the truth. It's just like, oh, no, now I know that a part of my identity, part of my brand, my mission, which is very publicly stated and publicly facing has got, is now on notice. So I got to really step up to really shift the table in such a way so that I can actually, in fact, fulfill that mission with absolute grace, power, and ease. And if you were to start getting satisfied with now you'll notice that that keeper would start to calm down. Is this resonating with you? Yeah, absolutely. I'll yeah, give you absolutely. coaching in a different way. And I'll say this in 30 seconds, because uh, I know we've only got like five minutes left is, is that, is that most people are leaving and rather, sorry, let me recite that all people are living and leading according to their keepers, including me, by the way. So it's not as if like you're impervious to the keepers. 
you know, that that's basically the architecture in your mind, the things that govern you. They're the governors, right? Like if you were going to go on a go-kart, there's a governor on the go-kart that doesn't allow you to go past a certain speed limit. You get what I'm saying? Going past that's going to put you in danger. We have governors within, within our minds, within our subconscious that actually are built and are designed to keep you safe. Not to keep you small, that's the experience you have, but to keep you safe. So for you, the whole idea around understanding that the ego, the keeper of ego is the one that's activated around the game you're playing for 15 million lives touched. And it's, and it's okay to acknowledge that that's the keeper, but the minute you distinguish that, you disempower it. It doesn't go away because it's still gonna hurt your feelings if you actually only come up short or if you fail at playing that game. So how do you actually hack the system? You play the game every day, making an investment every day that gets you a little bit closer to fulfilling that vision for yourself every single day. So every day you make sure that you have at least a couple of minutes. Folks, write that down. A couple of minutes out of 24 hours. That's not expensive. A couple of minutes in a day to assess your day to say, hey, did I make a strong investment into the world that gets me a little bit closer to empowering 15 million people, yes or no? And after this call, for an example, I say, yes, you did, because you just got 209 people on this call who are all saying, hey, you know what? I'm hearing you, I got you, I'm, I'm grateful for you, C-Rock. And so that way, what you're doing is you're actually feeding the keepers what it needs to make sure that you're not actually in danger, but you're actually quite safe. That's the purpose of the keepers to keep you safe. Yeah. So uh, yeah. And, uh, and you know, the thing is, um, I have one more question for you as we get wind down here with two minutes left, but, uh, Rich, I think also is I know what I'm capable of. I know there's potential inside. I think all of us do. And it hurt it. it I don't know what keeper this would relate to. And I know this may be too deep and too long for right now, but just to bring this up, I think also that there's a concern that I don't, I don't take advantage of what's been given to me and and what blessings that I have. And that bothers me. So they, I think everybody should kind of reflect on this, what we've been given, what potential we have, what blessings we've been given, and are we using those? Well, I think that uh, what you're saying is, is a wonderful standard statement that applies to everybody. And this is a really wonderful way to wrap up the conversation. All of you should write down this final note, which is that you you all have equally an opportunity to make a difference and be a force in the world to cause and create an impact. But once you accept that, once you realize that, once you really truly let that statement settle into your heart, your soul, and your body, it then quickly becomes not just the opportunity of a lifetime, but the responsibility in your lifetime. This is why I'm not impressed by people's posts around what nice things they've got and how many cars they drive or what new plane they've got or how big their portfolio is. I want to see what schools you've built and places that ain't got education. I want to see how many lives you've saved, how many mouths you've fed, how you're trying to reverse the impact our climate crisis has before us so our children don't have to deal with it or our children's children don't have to deal with it. I want to see what impact you're making that songs will be written about you hymns will be sung and, and memories will be recalled because of the difference you made. We're not here just to make a dollar. We are here to make an impact. So brother, that's what it's all about. And, and C-Rock, thank you so very much for letting me into your room. I'm grateful, I'm blessed, and I'm so, so, so grateful for having been here with you and every single person in this room. Uh, I'm touched. I, I know that I'm starting my day in the most powerful way because I've spent it with you in the beginning. And, uh, and I trust that that uh, resonates with all of you both as a parting note, but also as a, as a declaration. Thank you so much, Rich. I, I'll share any stage with you. Uh, I'm honored to be coached and mentored. We by have. You and, and, and we have yeah, in Miami. Yeah. We've shared a stage in Miami yeah, together. Yes, we did. And uh, I want to keep bringing Rich back. So if you guys like today, send Rich some messages, DM, back channel. Let him know what you thought of today. And Rich, uh, the best way for them to get engaged with you is for through this website, right? And maybe get the book or... Yeah, absolutely. You know, get to richarddolan.com. I invite everybody to go and follow me on Instagram. It's the main social platform that I'm very active on. So richard.dolan, D's and Delta, O-L-A-N. And, uh, you know, as you follow me, I'll promise that I'll always deliver value. And um, as you know, Mike, I'm not one of uh, salesmanship. I'm not going to try and hustle, berate you, or move you into products or services. I'm, I'm here to serve and powerfully move you into the future that you were destined to get into. So uh, let's go get it. So folks, go get, go be great. Go be awesome because anything less 
uh, really truly isn't worth your life. So uh, C-Rock, thank you so very much for having me. Grateful. All right. Thank you. Love you, brother. I'll bring you back soon. Thank you all for listening today. It's Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.